This is Locked on Clemson, and we are just trying to get you back upbeat a little bit after what was a really difficult day for Clemson Athletics, falling 11-2 to College of Charleston on the Diamond at home. So at Doug, Doug Kingsmore Stadium, Mac Anglin just gives up a lot of crooked numbers there to uh, Chad Holbrook's team, College of Charleston. And then last night, the Clemson basketball team goes on the road to Blacksburg in a game they really needed coming off of a win over Florida State, trying to follow it up, show the world they could be consistent, and instead played like a tired basketball team and played out of focus in a blowout loss on the road at Virginia Tech. So they're swept by the Hokies and Mike Young on the season. And that crushes really any thoughts of Clemson, even with an outside shot of getting back into the NCAA tournament discussion. And frankly, they shouldn't be in it at this stage. And now they are just a bubble team for the NIT. They need to finish strong just to continue to play. And that's a real shame considering the highs this team enjoyed this season with wins over, you know, the big win. Uh, over Louisville, big win over Duke, big win over Florida State, winning on the road at Chapel Hill for the first time in program history. And all of that really will be for naught if they don't even make it to the NIT. And that's a shame. And of course, the baseball team, they've got their own issues. And uh, we'll talk about that quickly before we get into some good news. Always good news coming out of Clemson's campus when it comes to football. And we've got Will Merritt with us today, former All-ACC former all lineman, former teammate of now lone offensive coordinator carrying those duties by himself, Tony Elliott. Tony and Will Merritt actually signed on the same day at Clemson. And Tony Elliott went on to be a terrific receiver at Clemson and then obviously uh, one of the stars in coaching, winner of the Frank Broyles Award back in 2017. And he's got a lot of pieces to work with this upcoming season, uh, no longer sharing the duties with Jeff Scott. So we're going to dig into that with Will Merritt coming up in our next segment. But quickly on baseball, you know, I, I wonder if Monty Lee is going to shift anything with this rotation now because they've, they've already got a couple of midweek losses and frankly, uh, Mac Anglin hasn't been pitching as well as the club would have hoped. Now, I have been so effusive in my praise of the Clemson rotation on the weekend. I keep talking about the five arms that they wouldn't trade for anybody. You know, from Sam Weatherly, Davis Sharp, Spencer Strider, Matt Clark, and Carson Spires. All right, but let's go through them quickly. You don't want to move Sam Weatherly. That's your ace. You just keep him on his schedule. You just do what you do, Sam. ACC Friday night, all spring long. Davis Sharp, because he's in a unique situation. Uh, I thought perhaps he could play a different role in this team, but now uh, they need his bat in the lineup. You just want to leave him on Saturdays. And, uh, and also, he eats up innings on Saturdays, and Monty Lee has shared with us his reasoning as to why he has Sharp on, on Saturday, and that's because he likes to rest that bullpen uh, in case he has to use Spires. Uh, you know, on Friday night in a high-leverage situation, he'd love to give him and the middle relievers some time off on Saturday, let Sharp go deep into the game, and then on Sunday – all hands on deck behind Spencer Strider. We'll see where his pitch count is going to be. They you know, might get him up 75 pitches or so. Uh, and then Matt Clark, you've been able to rely on him. And, of course, Carson Spires has been nails uh, coming in as the closer. But 
Here's the issue. The ACC is loaded this season, especially at the top. So Clemson is going to be in a lot of nail-biting games. So that means Carson Spires, you can't do anything with him. Uh, you've got to have him out of the pen as, as your stopper. Uh, you may have to use him in, in a lot of high-leverage situations, bringing him in as early as the seventh or eighth inning um, in some of these games against Florida State, Louisville, and, and the like. All right, you're not moving Davis Sharp. So now that leaves us with – Matt Clark or Spencer Strider? Is there a move to be made there? You put more pressure, ironically, on Davis Sharp if you move Matt Clark to the midweek start because then Sharp needs to go deep in order to to keep the pressure off on Sundays because you know Spencer Strider coming off his injury can't stretch out. It's probably not going to give you six, seven, or eight innings. So it actually, it works. The leverage reverts uh, back on Sharp on Saturday. And for that matter, all the way back to, to Weatherly on Friday. So I wonder if the answer isn't Strider in the midweek. And just hope, and it's not about pitch count there, but just hope he dominates for three or four innings and perhaps keeps that pitch count down. And then even if you have to use one of the your high-leverage weekend relievers in the midweek, that pitcher is rested, say, by Saturday or Sunday. So you really rely heavily on Weatherly and Spires on Friday. And the middle of the pen can work some behind Strider on midweek games and you know Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and then hopefully bounce back for Saturday or Sunday as needed and that puts Matt Clark back into the rotation on Sunday now here's the issue you don't if it's not broke you don't want to fix it you hate to to tamper with anything that's happening on the weekend when Clemson has played so well but right now there are no signs that midweek pitching is good enough for Clemson so that's what Monty Lee is going to wrestle with. So while you're going about your day, when you're brushing your teeth and you're thinking about whatever you've seen recently uh, on The Bachelorette, what Monty Lee is thinking about is what he's going to do with his midweek pitching. Now, I think some relief is coming to Clemson because they're going to start a series with Boston College tomorrow. Boston College isn't as good as College of Charleston. Let's just be frank about it. Uh, first pitch at Doug Kingsmore, 4 o'clock. Boston College just 5-6. and six. The Tigers should be heavy favorites headed into this one. Get the ERAs for the Eagles starters. 4.5, 5.79, and 7.84. Boston College's team ERA is 5.71. So the message to Clemson now, get the bats going. This is the Tigers team averaging just 3.6 runs per game, hitting 243 as a team. BC has already lost to Northern Illinois, North Carolina A&T. They were swept by powerhouse Arizona State. The Sun Devils put up 26 runs in three games. The back end of the Tigers lineup needs to wake up this weekend. Starbuck, Brewer, everybody down on the back end of that lineup, Sam Hall. It's time to wake up. Those batting averages at 0.88 and 109. That's not going to cut it. And if you're going to get healthy, it starts tomorrow against Boston College pitching. 
All right, so that's what's happening with Clemson baseball, Clemson hoops. How about football? As we said, always good news coming out of there. And uh, Tony Elliott met with the media for the first time this spring since being uh, named the offensive coordinator, you know, full-time uh, as opposed to sharing those duties with Jeff Scott, who's moved on to South Florida. Now, obviously, we've talked to Tony Elliott so many times, and we know he can handle it, and this is a team that has a, a quarterback returning in Trevor Lawrence, running back in Travis Etienne, wide receiver in Justin Ross, and all sorts of highly touted recruits. So many fun toys for Tony Elliott to play with. But they are replacing four of five linemen, some new faces there. So we'll dig into that with Will Merritt, a former All-ACC lineman. And as we said, really close friend of Tony Elliott's former teammates. So we're going to get some insight into Tony Elliott. If anything will change with this offense, the way he may handle it now that the responsibility is solely his and how Robbie Caldwell is going to go about choosing the five linemen for Clemson, how they start out the season, where they play, and how quickly does this decision need to come together. So it's football time here on the Locked On Clemson podcast. We'll do that with Will Merritt next. If it's orange, it's on Locked On Clemson, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked on Clemson, Matt Smith here with you. We've got Will Merritt joining us shortly. A couple more notes on uh, hoops and football before we talk to Will Merritt. Now, on basketball, obviously Clemson uh, taking it right in the chops uh, on the road at Blacksburg. A poor performance coming off another top ten victory. And a lot of it seemed – Clemson played like a tired team shooting 35 three-pointers, settling for 35 three-pointers. Now, that's part of Virginia Tech's game plan. They they want to – it's one of Mike Young's mechanisms is to force you to shoot outside jumpers and give you nothing easy inside, and Clemson fell right into that trap. And the Tigers hit six of their first 21, not a great percentage, but enough to keep them in the game. And and remember, they actually took the lead 42-41, but – 3 of 14 on three-pointers in the second half. Legs kind of gave out. Brad Brannell said they were a little bit tired. Um, And you know what? Part of that's got to be mentally because this is a team in Clemson that's been fighting uphill uh, since, you know, taking on some losing streaks earlier in the season. Players know it. Coaches know it. It gets tense. Uh, You know what you've got to get done in order to finish above 500 to make it postseason play. And it just wears you out. And Clemson was getting nothing easy last night. Amir Sims just two of four. So that's where Clemson is. And uh, we'll see. I'll be at the uh, Clemson-Georgia Tech game covering that for Sports Talk. Uh, You can catch the article uh, after the game, the recap, sportstalksc.com, after Clemson-Georgia Tech. And, And we'll see if there's anything left in the tank for Brad Brownell's group. Also, Tony Elliott talked to the media uh, after, you know, for the first time since taking over as offensive coordinator, um, you know, he was co-offensive coordinator. He's been calling the plays. We know Tony Elliott. Uh, Elliott, he's been on the staff since 2011, former Clemson player. Um, so, that, you know, there's nothing new there. But just, you know, now he comes out by himself instead of with Jeff Scott to meet with the media. And it's his baby. And one of the things Tony Elliott said he wants to do is – Give it to Travis Etienne more on third and short. And I, I think a lot of Clemson fans 
were on message boards saying they wanted to see Tony uh, Tony Elliott give it to Travis Etienne more, especially in crucial situations, especially since teams were not stopping Etienne, uh, really in his whole career, 7.8 yards per carry in his career. And uh, Tony Elliott did some self-scouting on the last two games, and he said uh, they didn't do a great job in the last two games of converting on third and three. As a matter of fact, Clemson just one of 11 in the national championship game against LSU. That is less than 10%. That won't get it done. Get it in Travis Etienne's hands, establish the run, and then imagine what Trevor Lawrence can do when you suck those safeties down into the box. We talked to Will Merritt about that and more. Former All-ACC lineman. First, he starts off with Clemson fans' reaction to Clemson hoops. You know, I brought up the point to Will is it perhaps that it just everybody's a little worn out? They've been so invested in Clemson football. And then, you know, when, when time for basketball comes around, it's hard to have that same intensity, get to all of the games during the midweek. Uh, you've, you know, you have the holidays. And then before you know it, Clemson spring practice and baseball are going on. So sometimes Clemson hoops gets lost in the shuffle. I don't think that people – recognize how hard the basketball uh, team and the coaching staff and the supporting staff works hard to make sure that the basketball program is a really good product. Um, I mean, Smitty, you know, I mean, you've been around it a long time and I, I know. Um, and I, Actually, when I was playing football, I, I practiced with the basketball team, so I know how hard they work. I mean, they 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 give so much effort to making sure that every single night that they're doing the right thing. And um, and I, I will tell you this, Coach Brownell. I mean, he does. I mean, I mean. He, he does a job that nobody even appreciates at Clemson right now because he's always going to be in the shadow of what the football program is doing. I mean, think about think about if you're a basketball coach at Clemson right now. I mean, how hard is that? Uh, you're right. It's a tough place to be. It's kind of like, uh, you know, what it's like, you know, Coach Stoops taking over the football program at Kentucky. And everybody said, well, that's great. You're doing great. Just, you know, let us know if you're relevant when basketball starts. Because if you're not, we'll stop showing up on Saturdays. But if you are, we'll it, hang it, in here with you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just it's just not it's, – it's a thankless job right now. And, um, and so the fact that he's going in and beating every single school in the state of North Carolina and he's winning all these top – He's beating all these top five, top ten schools, and it's like, oh, okay, ho hum. But that, that, it's not ho hum. I mean, you're you're beating all the biggest names in college basketball, and so um, sometimes I think they it's a thankless job at Clemson. And uh, but what Coach Brownell's doing right now, in my opinion is just tremendous it it is uh and that's why that's why last night was such a uh, tough pill to swallow but let's talk a little spring ball um tony elliott has now moved on where he's the the, the offensive coordinator he's got it on his own he's the only one meeting with the media and 
I'm excited just to see what that's going to look like if Tony makes any changes. And, of course, you're the perfect person to talk to since you've known Tony Elliott since since before he stepped foot on, Cle- uh, on Clemson's campus. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, the, the cool thing for me is that Tony E and, um, you know, we – we 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 came in together. We played all five years together. Um, I I just I, I think absolutely the world of him. I think if anybody knows his story, you need. If you don't know his story, you you need to know his story. Um, he, he's he's one of the most tremendous individuals that I've ever known. Now. Take away all of his his coaching cr- credentials because, um, I mean, everybody can read that. But if you if you know the person that he is, um, you cannot find a better person on this planet than Tony. E. And um, the fact that you you look at this entire staff and it's being led by Dabo who's got an incredible story and then you look at Tony and what his story is is I mean dude you can't you can't write this in a Hollywood script I mean it's it's impossible I mean it's just it's incredible that what what God has been able to just orchestrate at Clemson right now. And um, do I think there's going to be any chance? I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't think there's going to be any changes. Um, I think they're going to be the same, you know, type of um, offense that they've always been, you know. Um, run first. I mean, why would you not run first with ETN back and then pass second? Um, that That's just my opinion. Yeah, 44 points a game last year, too, so you don't want too much to change. And so, you know, it's interesting knowing the story of you and Tony Elliott going back so far. So that means he has similar experiences to you. So when you watch Clemson's offense now, obviously it has evolved over time. But let, but tell me, you know Tony Elliott. You see, you know how how great that offense has been. What elements maybe of Brad Scott are in there? How about Rich Rodriguez? How about Chad Morris? I mean, can you see those elements when you watch him call a game? I don't, I don't, I don't see as much of Rich Rod as I do Chad Morris. Um, I mean, I, I think there's elements of Hot Rod that that um, that come in there. Um, just from a fast-paced offense, like when they want to go hurry up, um, I see much more of Chad Morris about being able to look to the sidelines and and get a check and 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 make a change, things like that. I mean, Hot Rod was all about I don't care what they're doing, I don't care what the defense is doing. We're just gonna go. We're gonna go. We're gonna go. I mean, we had rabbit and leopard and says we could possibly go. And then we look at the end of the game. We're like, oh, my gosh, we ran 98 plays, (laughs) you know. 
Um, with 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 Coach Morris, I think it was a little bit more methodical. Um, yeah, you went fast at times, but you always had a plan in place. And um, I, I see more of Chad Morris in in in, in Tony E than I do um, Hot Rod. Tremendous perspective there from Will Merritt. We'll have Will back with us tomorrow, and we'll dig even deeper into offensive line play, uh, and and he's going to actually get to Clemson practice, so he'll have some insight on how Robbie Caldwell wants to move forward because he's shuffling pieces along the offensive line. Who's going to step up? Now, it's going to be a good offensive line. To that, we have no doubt, but how quickly is Clemson going to identify those players and then move forward as a unit? And we'll talk to Will Merritt tomorrow on Lockdown Clemson about how important that is. Now, one of the things Tony Elliott does say he wants to change moving forward, kind of through some self-scouting. We talked about running ETN more, especially in those crucial situations. If it's third and three, it is so tempting because you think Clemson usually has matchup advantages all over the field. And last season, of course, they had T. Higgins. And I mean, it's 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 laughable. And, and Amari Rogers and, and Justin Ross and Trevor Lawrence throwing the football uh, in a veteran offensive line. But sometimes you can outsmart yourself. And when they loaded the box, Clemson, you know, it, it's always, look, no matter if, even if you have Trevor Lawrence throwing to T. Higgins and Justin Ross, it's not going to be as high a percentage play as handing the football off to Travis Etienne, uh, especially when you need four yards or less. And remember, in his career, Travis Etienne getting 7.8 yards per carry. Now, I, I say all that, and you may think, well, Clemson did run the ball plenty, and they ran it a lot, but I, I think that there's a few factors at work here. Clemson did only finish running the football 51% of the time last season, which really isn't that much if you consider where it ranks nationally, which is 60th, and the fact, think about how many blowouts Clemson was involved in last season. And they still finished 60th in times rushing the football uh, percentage, rushing the football. Now, they did it at six yards per play. So the effectiveness was there. Clemson finished number two in the country in yards per carry. Uh, Thank you, Travis Etienne. Thank you, Lynn J. Dixon. Thank you, offensive line. So you just wonder where – and you wonder where Clemson's going to be heading into Etienne's senior year because you also want to keep an eye on his workload. Maybe you go ahead and develop Lynn J. Dixon um, in, in terms of letting him be a bell cow, especially when Clemson gets the lead because that's the role he'll play next season. And this way you can limit ETN's carries. And just as it worked out previously with ETN, uh, he was fresh at the end of the season. But I, I know how tempting it was for Tony Elliott to go to those matchup advantages he believed he had on the outside and with Trevor Lawrence throwing the football. Uh, major factors, absolutely major factors. Uh, but I think this season you're going to see a commitment to the run, whether it's with Travis Etienne or not. And I think you'll get you'll see Clemson get back to uh, establishing the run just as they had when Tony Elliott first started calling plays for Clemson. Now, also another factor here, uh, he mentions that he wants to, to get back to running, you know, 80 plays per game. If you take a look at how many plays per game were run last season for Clemson, 73 per game. Now, 
again, there's some components to that. You can't just look at that number. And uh, that was, I've got it here, teamrankings.com is a great site. That was 40th in the country, 73.4 plays per game. Behind even South Carolina, behind LSU, um, behind Florida State. Uh, you know, and, and, and those are those are teams that wanted to run with tempo. But behind Ohio State, um, behind North Carolina, and the top four, by the way, Wake Forest, Tulsa, SMU, Syracuse. Now, Clemson, far more successful than those teams. Uh, but Tony Elliott wants to get that plays per game back up, wants to hit teams with tempo a little more often. I noted this. I was covering Clemson. Uh, I was at almost every one of their games, traveling along with them, you know, up there with them in Syracuse, up there with them in Louisville. And I noted this and, and talked about it a little bit uh, at the time. They were not going at a NASCAR pace. Oftentimes, Clemson was playing methodically offensively. And I didn't quite know why, whether it was because they were reading the plays from the sideline or they felt it was an advantage to them, fewer plays in the game and, and you know, uh, with a higher percentage of those plays with Trevor Lawrence having the ball, Travis Etienne having the ball, winning on time of possession and influencing the game that way. But Tony Elliott said after some self-scouting during the offseason, they do want to dial it up a little bit in terms of tempo. So watch out. Uh, you know, it also could have been a function of trying to protect a young defense. Now, Clemson's defense, it turned out to be, what, one of the three best in the country again last season. So maybe you don't have to worry about that. Uh, and now some veterans coming back on that front side uh, in the front seven for Clemson. Uh, but they lost some studs. I mean, obviously losing Tanner Muse, Kayvon Wallace, Isaiah Simmons. Uh, you're going to miss those guys. But veteran leadership now along the defensive line and then the, you know, additions of players like Miles Murphy, Brian Brissee, and others. So the pass rush is going to be there. So you don't know what conversations are going on privately with Tony Elliott and Dabo Sweeney and Brent Venables, but we do know Clemson did not work at as quick a pace last season. Tony Elliott said, watch out. They want to get back to 80 plays per game coming up in 2020. We'll talk defense tomorrow. We'll also talk with Will Merritt again, this time about offensive line. Everything is set. For Clemson, Clem, uh, you know, in that backfield for sure. Uh, quarterback, running back, wide receiver. But what will the offensive line look at? How good can it be? We ask Will Merritt tomorrow on the Friday edition of Locked On Clemson. If it is orange, it's on Locked On Clemson, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.